So, Chris, what do you think so far about some of the guests we've had on? Frankie Edgar, uh, Colonel Thomas Felty. You know, we've had some pretty awesome people come on here and share some some leadership insight. Yeah, and I think what's really cool is the you know the diversity of everyone that we've had on, and um, today's guest is you know just another example of that. Uh, we were speaking earlier on you know the topic of customer service, and certainly that's something I deal with all the time in the business world, but. I don't think people realize how much customer service kind of impacts every bit of your life. Um, you know, whether police, fire, uh, first responders, military, really across every spectrum um, out there. So, you know, I wanted to continue that conversation and really ask you why you thought it was important to have uh, today's guest on, uh, Bob Berg, onto the show. Well, I'll tell you, Bob Berg, he's the author of The Go-Giver, and it's a terrific book. You know, Bob's a friend. I met Bob many years ago. And, you know, I have a background in sales and a lot of, I don't really get too much into it when I'm out there speaking, but I've failed in sales for a very long time. And then I've, I've found ways to succeed and have a lot of success. But a lot of the things that we, that we were doing as a team, as a sales organization, I found out really actually translated into the fire service as well. And I mean, for example, I, I mean, some people call it customer service, some people call it community service, but Every organization has a culture of service, right? And, and that culture is either a good one or a bad one, and it's either created by design or default. Design meaning, you know what, we're going to specifically say, let's talk about what we want to be good at. Default meaning, hey, let's just show up and we, what we get is what we get. Now, I think what I like about having Bob Berg on the program is that he talks about really about creating your culture by design. He talks about providing great service by being a go-giver not a go-getter. That's what we do in a fire service. We're giving ourselves, we're giving our time, we're giving our energy, uh, and we're trying to, to help people in, in, their, in, their, in a time of need. Maybe we're not selling them a product, but we certainly are providing a service that's, that's necessary. Our business, however, is unique than a sales business, for example. You know, sometimes in sales, you're, you're, sometimes you're trying to convince somebody to get something that they may not even want at that point, but you feel they, they need and it could better their life. We're, we're meeting people in the worst moments of their lives. But at the same time, think about this. I mean, you've been in a fire service a long time, so have I. We're consistently meeting people when it's not an emergency and we have an ability to provide some sort of a service. And if we don't have the right culture, we can't do that. Now, part of setting the right culture is it, it falls really on the officer's role. You know, it's everybody plays a role in creating the right culture, but officers, company officers play critical roles for three reasons. They could set the right example, they could clearly communicate the mission, and they could publicly recognize outstanding effort. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of those things uh, today, and Bob's gonna touch on it, but also consider this for a fact that many people in our industry do things on the side. You have a side business, I have a side business. And so I, I find that, I think firefighters are gonna find this to be very helpful for their careers as well. And if they're not familiar with Bob Berg, they're about to be, and I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised with his message. Absolutely. You know, someone, an old mentor of mine told me that in almost every interaction in life, there's a provider and there's a client in a situation. And I don't think we think about that, you know, whether someone asks you a favor, someone's kind of helping someone out, the other person's the person you're helping or the client. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's where customer service comes into almost, like I said, everything that you do in life, there's some aspect of customer service to, you know, what can you do better to make that other person's experience better? And that right. can go with your friends, your family, right. coworkers. Um, you know, again, certainly in the fire services, we 
you know, most people don't think of it this way, but we have lots of customers. Yes. Every single resident in the town that we work in right. is our customer. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they hire us and they, they pay us to, to perform a service. So, um, but instead of getting too deep into it, maybe, maybe it's better if you just, you know, simplify the idea of customer service for the listeners. Well, listen, I mean, it, it comes down to me. It's three simple steps. Respect the person, smile when you're dealing with somebody and, and try to exceed their expectations. Try to exceed their expectations. Somebody said one time to me, imagine that everybody you come in contact with has a sign around them that says, make me feel important. And that resonated with me, and I thought, you know what, if we can do that, if we can do that every day, then we're going to be great at providing a great service. Because, you know, the lifeblood of an organization could be summed up in one word, one simple word, care. Care about the people, care about the community, care about your service that you're providing. And I think that could be a really good lead into what we're about to hear from Bob Berg right now. Welcome to Flashpoint, the Fire Inside podcast, featuring leadership and team building principles designed to ignite your inner fire and help you reach your full potential. On our program, you will learn from professional athletes, military and business experts, inspirational figures, leaders in the fire service, and other top achievers who have reached the pinnacle of success in their chosen fields. And now your host, international speaker and best-selling author, Frank Viscuso. Hello, my friend Bob Berg. How are you doing today? Hey, Frank. It's great to be with you. Been too long, my friend. It's been too long. Yeah, we we spoke earlier. How you know it's been about maybe twenty years or so since we <laughs> yeah, first I met, and, so. but we haven't seen each other face to face in eighteen. But no, I'm glad I get to follow you on Twitter and Facebook, though, because at least I I've I've been able to follow your career, and it's been a great career for these years. I just haven't gotten to see you in person. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. You know, uh, one of the things that I actually talk a lot about when I speak is about mentors. And I, and I speak about having what I call distant mentors, which is somebody mm -hmm. that you don't have to be face to face with them. You can, you can uh, kind of read their books, listen to their uh, talks if they do things like that you do, or you can, um, you know, just watch how they conduct themselves in a professional manner and learn from them. And, and a mentor doesn't always have to be someone you're sitting down with face to face, having a conversation with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, two of my, to me, my greatest mentors, two of my greatest mentors are Benjamin Franklin and Booker T. Washington. Now, I've read so many of their books, the writings about them, uh, their own writings. Uh, right. and absolutely. You can learn from, from anyone and everyone. And there are different types of mentors for different situations. One of, one of my great mentors, Dondi Scumachi, who's a great leadership uh, speaker and, and author, we talk about a person we call drive-by mentors. Mm. And those are people who uh, you may not have ever known them. You may never see them again, right? But it just happened to be they came into your life and, and said something, whether directly to you or you heard them say something that made a huge difference in your life. And that was it. But right. in a sense, they were a mentor as well. Right. Yeah. You know what? It, it brings us to a topic of influence, which I actually want to talk about in a little bit. Before I get into that, I did a quick introduction uh, about you, but can you just please talk to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about yourself? Well, I, I began as a broadcaster, first as a sportscaster, and then a, uh, uh, and that was on a, a, a local uh, radio station. And then I was a newscaster on a, a, a 
very, very small ABC affiliate in the Midwest. And I, I really was not very good at it. I could read the news. That's not an mm-hmm. issue. But I was 24 years old. I knew nothing about the news. And I really didn't care. I was a sports guy who happened to get a job in news to get his foot in the door. But so, so I wasn't really long for that uh, job, but I, at, but at the time, because I was in a small market, Frank, uh, and, and you don't get paid a lot in a small market when you're mm. in, in television, right. uh, I started to sell just to kind of help earn some extra money. Uh, what I found after floundering for a couple of months, because I knew nothing about selling was once I started to learn and once I started to apply that knowledge and had a system for doing so. And I, to this day, I define a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal right. based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. And the, the, the key being predictability, right? If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired results of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and keep doing it. You'll right. eventually get those results. Well, once I, I began doing that, uh, my sales really took off and worked my way up to sales management and eventually started sharing with others what was working for me and my team. And it, it kind of just morphed into a, a speaking and writing career. Well, that's fantastic. And and I mentioned to you when we spoke earlier how I've been following this career and uh, and you have a lot of great content out there. You know, one, you. one of the things about um, the people that you're speaking to right now, there are a lot of firefighters that are listening yeah. to this podcast and uh, some of them may be in sales. Some of them may be in business. Some of them may or may not be entrepreneurs. You talk a lot sure. about the entrepreneurial spirit, but what about those that aren't entrepreneurs? The, does the message in the book that I want to talk about in a moment, The Go-Giver, does that still apply to them? Yeah, because, you know, I think the entrepreneurial spirit um, pertains to 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 anyone who is in any way bringing value to someone else, either individuals or to the marketplace as a whole. So I'll often say when I speak with people who are working for a company, let's say as an employee, they, they may not be an entrepreneur in terms of the, the way we think of it, right? right? Risking your money or, or, you know, investors and usually a combination of both putting sweat equity and time and the writ and so forth, but they are still, they may not be entrepreneurs, but they're still intrapreneurs. Mm. They, they need to be entrepreneurs within, even though it's within another organization, because it's still all a matter of bringing value to other people. Right. Uh, certainly the, the first responders, the people who are, I mean, you know, not only are they the heroes, but these are people who are, are always adding by the very nature of what they do, exceptional value to everyone. So yes, uh, they need to be entrepreneurial in terms of knowing what they're doing, their core competency so well that they're able to boom at a second's notice, be able to make a decision, be able to do this, be able to do that. And uh, so, yes, uh, absolutely. That's great. You know, uh, one day I was visiting one of the fire stations at my um, department and I often ask the firefighters, you know, what are you reading? One of them says to me, the go-giver. Now, yeah. now I was expecting him to talk about, you know, what fire book he was reading. He mentions the go-giver and I said, the go-giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann. He says, yeah. I said, you know, Bob Berg's a friend of mine. And I actually, I don't know if you remember this, but I picked up the phone, called you and introduced you guys real quick. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he told me, um, he said, uh, it's the best book I've ever written or wow. the, I'm sorry, the best book I've ever read. And I, I remember thinking, you know what? It is a great book. And I wanted you to come on and talk about that. Can you just talk about what the premise is behind that book? 
Yeah, and and as you said, it was co-authored with John David Mann, who was really the lead writer and storyteller. I, I'm more of a how-to person. I'm step one, step two, step three. Mm. Uh, John's a brilliant storyteller, and that that's what really made the story sing. Um, the premise of the book, Frank, is, is simply that shifting your focus, and this is really the key, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others right. and understanding that not only is that a a pleasant way, a more pleasant way to, to do business and live life, it's also a more profitable way as well. Profit being whether it's financial or physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, social, relational, what have you. When you can take your eyes off yourself, when you can move from what we call a an I focus or me focus to an other focus, uh, that's when you really are are creating the context where you become a person of value to others. Right. You know, you talk about value. Um, what's the difference between price and value? Sure. This is so, so very key. Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar okay. amount. Okay. It's, it's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to someone mm -hmm. that they will willingly exchange in the business sense, exchange their money for this and be ecstatic that they did, right? right. While you make a very healthy profit. Um, the, the, ultimate essence of a free market-based exchange. And when I say free market, I simply mean no one is forced to do business with anyone else. They do it on their own volition. Right. Uh, the essence of a free market-based exchange is that both parties come away better off after the transaction than they were before the transaction. Mm -hmm. Both parties profit. Now, this happens only because the whether you want to go to the salesperson or the entrepreneur or the person who is providing this value – they have put their focus in the right place. When I speak at a sales conference, I'll often start by saying, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, right? They're not going to buy right. from you because you need the money or even because you're a really nice person who believes in what you do. They're going to buy from you because they believe they're better off. They'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And that's fine. That's the only reason why someone should buy from, from someone else. So when we understand this, now we can, uh, now we can understand that when we're focused on them, on, on, on discovering what they want, what they need, mm -hmm. what they desire, and then helping connect the benefit of, of, of what we do with that need, want, or desire. Now the chances are that person's going to be much more interested in doing business with us, which is why John David Mann and I often say that money is simply an echo of value. An echo of value. Yeah, and you, you mentioned in your book, you actually have a line, does it make money is not a bad question. It's just a bad first question. Right. And it sounds like you're elaborating exactly on that point right now. Yeah, and, and people misinterpret that. Say, well, are you saying money's not important? No, we said it's a great question. It's not a bad question. It's a great question. It's just a bad first question. What do we mean by that? Well, let's say that you are about to uh, begin a business, or let's say you're about to invent something or create something, something that's meant to to uh, you know bring value to the marketplace and help you make a lot of money. Both are very uh, worthy ideals. Um, so if you start with will it make money, then it's about you. It's not about the marketplace. And remember, the marketplace isn't going to buy because you want them to. Mm -hmm. So 
first you need, so you, you're kind of starting by looking in the back, uh, the rear view mirror. Okay. On the other hand, if you say, will it serve? Is this something that's going to add value to other people's lives? And is it something that other people will see as adding value to their lives? Because remember, and this is key, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. Right. It's not what we believe is a value or what we think they should think is a value. It's what they think is a value. So, but so first focus on that. Will it bring value? Is there a market for it? Can you create a market for it? Okay, once you have that, once that's a yes, now you've got to ask, will it make a profit? Because, hey, it can add great value to people's lives. It can be fantastic. But if it doesn't make a profit, then you don't have a business. You have a hobby. And hobbies are also nice. And if that's what you want to do, great. But that's different from having a business. So both are important. It needs to serve and it needs to make money. But you, the focus needs to be, will it serve? Will it serve? Yeah, and it's an interesting thing when we talk about satisfied customers, I heard somebody recently say that uh, having a satisfied customer is the lowest bar you can hit and still stay in business. <laughs> and he went on to elaborate and say, you know, for example, me, you know, me and a fire service, if we, and this is, it's easy for us to stay in business because there's always something that will call us to an incident. So this may mm -hmm. be a, a bad example. But if uh, somebody says, you know, yeah, the fire department was here today. Oh, yeah, how were they? Yeah, they were okay. Meaning we just did the job we were supposed to do. But in today's world with social media, everybody's looking for a tweet. Everybody's looking for a status update. And if somebody has a great experience with you, not only are you providing value for them, but they're also, they have the means to, to spread this far and wide, don't they? Yeah, and you brought up a great point with the word uh, experience. It's not about customer service as much as the customer experience. Right. Right. How do they feel about it? Uh, and and how they feel about it is going to determine what they say about it and and uh, and how that does spread. So absolutely. Yeah, it's something. And um, you mentioned also in the book, you talk a little bit about people being our greatest asset. This is something that I think we should definitely just take a moment and touch on because there are some people in leadership positions that don't understand that. They, maybe they don't understand the value of really growing their people and preparing their people. I read the book, Creating Magic as well, another book about Disney because you mentioned customer experience and it brought mm -hmm. that up. Mm -hmm. And in that book, Lee Cockrell talked about uh, implementing ideas from people um, that are on his team. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think about that, about, about people being our greatest asset? Well, it's one of those those phrases, Frank, that that more people say than actually believe, mm. because you hear companies and you see it in their mission statement or in their on the placards on the wall or you know what have you, and you you hear the the CEO in an interview. Well, people are our greatest asset, uh, but then you go into the company or you hear from some of the people in the company, and it's it's just not congruent. Right. So, so our people, our greatest assets, absolutely. And, and we've got to pay it much more than lip service. We've got to see them as human beings, not just as a means to an end, that end being, uh, helping our company to profit. And again, it's not just a matter of being nice or a, a good person. That's always, that's important in and of itself, but that's not the, not the point. When you see your people as human beings who have needs, right. wants, desires, values, who want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, right. right? Who want to be a value. They want to feel, they want to trust you. 
They want to, I, I love what Simon Sinek said in his, his fantastic book, Leaders Eat Last, where he said that trust is a biological reaction to the belief that someone has our well-being at heart. Mm. When you truly do value your people, when you do see them as people and as your greatest asset, you will have their well-being at heart and they'll know this and they will, they will, you know, go over above and beyond for you. And so absolutely, Lee Cockrell was a great example. Um, uh, Bob uh, Chapman, who wrote the book, Everybody Matters, uh, Bob Chapman, who, who was actually featured in, in Simon's book, but, uh, but he also has his own book, Everybody Matters. Uh, he's the uh, CEO of Barry Waymiller, a huge manufacturing firm uh, based out of St. Louis. And here's a guy who, wow, you talk about a person who values people and, and they, they really, it's a huge company and they feel like family and they are family. And, uh, it, there's such a difference. And, and when, when leaders do this, their companies or their organizations are much more, uh, highly functioning. They are happier and they are more profitable. And that gives them the ability, the leaders to influence. And I, I want to talk about that. That's one of the principles you speak about in The Go-Giver. And I mean, you you live the life. I mean, I, I, I've i seen you and I've watched you uh, back years ago um, do things for people that I thought, you know what, this guy is living what he preaches. And I, and I love that. And that has directly influenced me in many ways. But uh, how does a go-giver create influence personally? And how does that directly relate to leadership? Well, if you look at influence itself, at the word influence, if we define it, um, influence on a very, very basic level can be defined as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. That is the definition, but I do not in any way believe that that's the essence of influence. Mm -hmm. The essence of influence is pull. It's an attraction. I'd say pull as opposed to push. You never hear people say, wow, that Dave or that Mary, she is so influential. She has a lot of push with people. No, she has a lot of pull because that's what influence is. It's an attraction. Great influencers attract people to themselves first, right? And only then to their idea. And again, they do this not through through pushing their will or pushing their ideas, uh, being pushy, not through compliance, but through earning genuine commitment. Um, I think the greatest influencers they they take to heart, whether intuitively or or maybe they've learned, but this. But I, I think uh, a, a basic point made by Dale Carnegie in his classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. In fact, what I believe is the underlying premise of, of Mr. Carnegie's book is where he wrote, ultimately, people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. Mm. So the great influencer is constantly self-questioning. Uh, they're, they're challenging their own motives. You know, how does what I'm asking this person to do how does it align with their needs, wants, desires? How does what, how does what I want this other person to do, how does it align with their values? And when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, uh, genuinely, authentically, not as a way to manipulate right. another person into doing our will, right? But as a way to build others. Now we've come a lot closer to earning that commitment 
rather than depending on that command and control type of compliance. Right. And this applies to everybody in all walks of life. Another thing you talk about that applies to everybody is empathy. And empathy, you know, this is not the, dic the dictionary definition of empathy, but my favorite description of it is to accurately see things through another person's perspective, mm. which is which is different than sympathy, which is feeling sorry for somebody, but this is to, right. to put yourself in their shoes. Can you talk a little bit about empathy? Yeah. Well, you know, empathy um, is, you know, when they say it, it's, it's uh, the ability to, to, you know, understand the, the thoughts and feelings of another, of another person, but that's easier said than done. Right. Why? Because we all come from different belief systems. We all come from different ways of seeing the world. We all come from different experiences. So while we do want to put ourselves in the other person's shoes, and sometimes we can, other times we can't. You know, not only do we not understand how they feel, we have no idea how they feel. Right. But what we can do, and what I think empathy is about, Frank, is not necessarily understanding exactly how they feel, but understanding they're feeling something. And that this something is distressful to them. And ep empathy comes in when you're and communicating empathy comes in when you communicate to them that you are there for them, that you understand this is distressful to them, uh, that this is hurtful to them, that this is something you're there to work with them through. And again, people can feel that they understand that. That That's really great. I mean, that. I speak about empathy a lot, the way you just described that. I may end up stealing that. I'll give you credit for it the first three <laughs> times, <okay>. though. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, are there misconceptions about, about being a go-giver? Because the name itself implies that you just give, 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 give oh, without right. getting in return. Um, can you be taken advantage of that way? Uh, well, no, there, there's nothing about being a go-giver that, that aligns with being taken advantage of. I always say to people, if you're, you know, if you're a nice person and you're being taken advantage of, please understand it's not because you're a nice person. It's because you do things in a certain way that you allow yourself to be taken advantage of. Right. So no, the, the, the two aren't now here's the funny thing. Laws two and five talk about receiving and compensation. In fact, law five of the go-giver is the law of receptivity. But obviously when someone first sees the title of the book, right, the go-giver, uh, <laughs> as we know, human beings make major decisions based right. on very limited information. Yes. So they see the title and they think, oh, it's about giving yourself away or not making a profit. Or well, Actually, go-givers tend to make a, a bigger profit than most others because go-givers are focused on the value they bring rather than on the, the, the prices they charge. So go-givers tend to be more profitable uh, and be able to sell at higher prices. But um, there's also misconceptions such as uh, being a go-giver means that you, you know, can never say no to anyone. That you absolutely not. Of course not. Uh, in fact, the 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 more successful you become, the more you have to say no. Simply mm. because the more people ask for things, and you just you, there's only so much time during the day uh, and energy. So uh, no, you have to be when you're a go-giver. You have to say no much more than you say yes. But you can say no in such a way that you honor that person and you respect their feelings. Right. So it's, you know, it's the way we do it, but no, there's, there's, uh, you know, can you be taken? Well, anyone can be taken advantage of, I, I guess if, if someone's clever enough to do it, but, uh, but no, there, there's nothing about being a go giver that in any way is, is what I would call being a doormat or being a martyr or being self-sacrificial in any way. And also, 
and we should stress that being a go-giver, you're also a go-getter. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a great point. And people have asked that, you know, are you and John saying being a go-getter is a bad thing? No, we love go-getters. Why? No. Because go-getters take action. They get things done. And, and we all know, certainly firefighters know, and any first responder knows that you can have the greatest thoughts and intentions, but unless you take action, nothing's going to happen. And so, no, being a go-getter is great. The, the, the good thing is that there's no natural division between a go-getter and a go-giver. Many go-getters are also go-givers, and we would say that every go-giver is a go-getter. What we would ask people not to be are go-takers. Mm. Uh, you know, go-taker, that's the person who feels entitled, right, if you will, to take, 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 without having added value to the person, to the process, to the situation. And they tend to be very frustrated while thinking that other people are the naive ones. But right. even when go takers have some success, and they do sometimes, uh, it tends to be uh, short lasting because it wasn't built on the proper foundation. So what we say is, and I love that you brought that up. Thank you. We say be a go getter and a go giver. Yeah. Just don't be a go taker. Very well put. Uh, you also have a saying from another one of my uh, favorite books that you had written about about people do business with people uh, and refer yeah. others to people they know, like, and trust. Can we yeah, just all, touch on that? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. When when things are equal, or, and when I say equal, I mean close enough to equal. Right. Nothing's ever totally equal, but close enough to equal, absolutely, it will be the relationship. If the price is the same, if the delivery is the same, if the product's the same, you know, or close to it, it's going to be that person who has established that relationship, that know, like, and trust, that's the person who's going to get the business and is going to uh, be able to acquire the, refer the uh, referrals. That's great. Now, I have one more question, and, and Chris may have one as well. But was there one piece of advice that you received before you knew what, what being a go-giver entailed that you felt was a difference maker for you? I think there is one piece of advice I received that kind of um, – set me in another direction uh, in a very positive way. And it was really by one of those drive-by mentors we right. were talking about right. before because I'd been in sales for a couple of years. And again, I, I'd done well in terms of I'd learned it, I'd studied it, I'd applied it. Uh, my potential was good and I was doing fairly well, but I, you know, I, I was, I was, I had potential, but I certainly wasn't achieving near what I should have been just sort of like Joe in the story, right? The, right. uh, the, uh, a protege in the story. And I remember coming back from a, a non-selling appointment one day. It wasn't supposed to be a non-selling appointment, but I, I did not uh, have the sale happen. But I, I, I must have looked sort of disgruntled or whatever. And one of the, the, the people there, older guy, he wasn't even in, in the sales department. I think he was in the engineering department. And I'm pretty sure he retired soon after that because I, I don't think I ever saw him again. Hmm. Uh, nice guy, though. And I remember he, he took me aside. He said, Berg, do you mind if I give you some advice? And I said, yeah, absolutely, please do. And he said, if you want to make a lot of money in, in business, actually said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he continued, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. But never forget the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It's not the target itself. Your target is serving others. That's fantastic. And, 
that's when I first understood that selling was not about, great salesmanship is not about the salesperson. It's not even about the product or service. It's about the other person. It's about that person whose life you are trying to touch with the, the exceptional value you provide, but it's always about them. Fantastic. Chris, I'd like to see if you have any questions you want to ask Bob before we end the interview. Yeah, Bob, I had uh, one question for you. And you touched on a lot of this, but uh, I'll ask you something specific to my life. Um, I'm an executive uh, at a pretty large real estate company here in New Jersey. And one of the things I hear from our agents quite often is that in a way, technology has almost started to disconnect them from the customer. So in the past, you know, someone would walk into a real estate company and sit down, tell them their, their, their wants and needs in life and a real estate agent would work with them and, and, and find out what they were looking for. And mm -hmm. now in, you know, with the technology that's out there, whether it's uh, Zillow, Trulia, et cetera, people is, are treating it more like a transaction. A customer comes in and says, I want to see this house on this day, show it to me and have a good day. Um, and what we try to impart, and I think, you know, you can speak really well on is how do we encourage the agents to still see that there is a value um, proposition to that end user and not fall into this trap of just becoming someone that essentially opens doors and writes contracts um, to a client? Sure. And it is, it's a great question. And it's, it's key that a real estate sales professional is able to do that because yes, uh, there's no question about it. Technology has now tipped the, the knowledge scale, if you will. Uh, the customer, the potential customer comes into it knowing a lot more than they did before, but that's fine. That that's okay. That's good providing that the agent is so positioned that they are the one that when it gets to that next level where the, the transaction has to take place, that that professional is the one who is called. And in order to do that, they need to have established their expertise first before that person ever goes through the process. You do that by building relationships, right? You do that by, and, and not that you can't also do that online, but you do that, you know, if you're in a local uh, community, you do that face-to-face, belly-to-belly as well. Build the relationship first so that by the time that person does need something, sure, they're going to get the information first. That's fine. That's really, it's an, it's an assistance to you when you think about it that way. But when it comes down to, they still need that person with the expertise who can guide them along, who can bring them along. Let me suggest a book to you. This is one of the best books I've, I've ever read. Uh, it is by Jeff Colvin, who's an editor at large at, um, at fortune. And it's called humans are underrated. And what the, the premise of the book was that it used to be that we as humans would ask, okay, what can we do that machines can't yet do, right? Mm -hmm. But that question's no longer relevant because the machines can do everything pretty much, right? Yeah. They can pretty much do everything we can. However, there are certain things that other human beings only want from other human beings. And some of those are what we've talked about earlier, empathy, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, leadership, team building, the ability to, to help others feel good about themselves. So th those people who get, who, who are able to, uh, 
uh, become expert at what used to be, well, still is, but I, I think it's misnamed when they say the soft skills, right? The, the people skills. Hey, to me, the people skills are the hard skills. The people skills are the skills that really count now. Uh, people skills, mastering people skills, that's the determining factor now. That's the difference maker between those people who attain a, a reasonable level of success and that person who is able to attain enormous levels of success and achievement and has the world pretty much eating out of their hands. So those are the things. There are just certain things people want to deal with people, not with technology. So use the technology as a servant. Just don't allow it to become your master. It's it's like the high touch over the high tech. Exactly. And understanding that both are important, but the more important high tech becomes, the more important high touch mm -hmm. becomes. Very good. Bob, thank you. I want to ask if you could just uh, tell the listeners how they can connect with you. Yeah, best way is just on the website, which is the go giver without the hyphen in this case, thegogiver.com. And at the site, they can get a um, uh, excerpt or chapter one of the go giver. And they can check out the um, uh, Go Giver podcast and some of the other resources that we have, uh, thegogiver.com. Fantastic. Listen, Bob Berg, thank you so much. It's great to talk with you. I'm glad we had this opportunity, but thank you for coming on the show and spending some time with us today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Head over to fireinsidepodcast.com slash audible and you can get a free audiobook download as well as a 30-day free trial to their service. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from, but certainly if you enjoyed today's episode, I would definitely grab one of Bob Berg's books. He's got The Go-Giver, Go-Giver Sell More, and my personal favorite, The Go-Giver Leader, all available on Audible. Again, to download your free audiobook, go to fireinsidepodcast.com slash audible. Also, check us out on YouTube, Fire Inside Podcast. We have some great exclusive content over there as well as video versions of our podcasts. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to our channel and leave a comment if you'd like. We'd love to hear from you guys. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash fireinsidepodcast and Instagram at fireinsidepodcast. All of our episodes are available on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play. So if you're listening to us on one of those platforms, shoot over to their website, leave us a review, like, etc. We love that as well. Thank you again for joining us today and we will catch you on the next episode.